But let's jump into the message today. You guys ready? You made it through the cold, and here we are. And guys, this is amazing. I'm starting a message before 1030. This is crazy. I'm, I'm intentionally trying to finish this service a little bit earlier uh, because of the blizzard coming today, okay? Uh, so uh, you guys can hold me accountable. I'm trying to stop around 11, all right? Now, you can like, if it gets to 11 and I'm still talking, you can just kind of, you know, cough or something. Multiple of you just cough or sneeze or get up and leave, and I will get the message. All right, so hey, um, this morning, I'm excited. I love these types of messages, but what this is, is is less of me unpacking a new series, less of me diving into the book of the Bible and doing a big study. What today is, is kind of a reminder of who we are as Antioch Community Church. You can call it Vision Sunday, but this is a reminder of who we are. And I think it's just an important question for all of us, if you're part of this body, especially if you consider Antioch Community Church your church home, to ask that question, who are we? Who has God called us to be? And there are a lot of things that that question should be similar, how you answer that should be similar across the entire body of Christ. There are things clear in the word of God that God calls us to as, as a believer. You guys track with me so far? Okay, every believer is called to put their full faith and trust in Jesus. Every believer is called to love him. Every believer is called to make disciples. But specifically, there God gives mandates, callings, assignments to different local bodies. And I want to share a couple of those things with you guys. Again, a lot of it, I would say, applies to the whole body of Christ. But um, I really want you kind of to hone in. And there's two kind of audiences I'm going to assume are here this morning. One is those of you that consider Antioch your home. And then two, those of you that are, aren't quite sure yet. Some of you are like brand new. It's your first Sunday. Some of you have been around a few weeks, even a few months, and you're still kind of wondering, should I go all in here? But for both of you, I think this will be helpful. For those of you, this is your church home. My hope is to do it. Um, Peter said, Paul said it a couple times also, but he said this in 2 Peter 3, 1. I'm going to put it on the screen because I want you to see this. He says, uh, this is now the second letter I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am, look at this, stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. So I'm going to pretty much, in a sense, be reminding us of who we are. What are we called to as a church family? But my hope is that it's not just reiterating the right answers of who are we, but I want to stir you up as we dive into what the scriptures call us to and what some prophetic things that God has given to us as Antioch movement and network of churches, but also to our local body. I want us to be stirred up again. Amen? We need to be freshly envisioned, not bored with who God's called us to be, but stirred up again, reminded again. For those of you that this is not your church home yet, I think this is just going to be really insightful to you of who called, God's called us to be and can honestly help you discern, do I want to be a part of this body or not? All right, you guys ready to jump in? Come on. I know you're ready, Rob, every day. All right. Hey, let me, um, what I'm going to do, this is also going to be a little bit of story time, all right? Um, and I got some pictures and everything to show you guys, all right? So this will be, again, really insightful and just a little walk down memory lane for those of you that have been around with us from the beginning. Um, but I, I'm going to share more of our story as a church in just a few minutes um, because I think it's helpful through the story, through the journey. Like there's a lot you can learn and gain about who we are. But I want to just first just cause us to remember that our story in the last four or so years that we've been here, it like didn't start there. Like our story is built 
on the back of the sacrifice of many people that have gone before us. And that's true for your personal life. You guys understand that? You're, listen, my wife and I, were parents. We've got four kids. All of you, your parents sacrificed greatly for you to be alive today in your 20s or in your 30s, okay? Your life, in a sense, is formed. Some of us had great parents. Some of us had not-so-great parents, and that's not what I'm saying. But regardless, there was sacrifice that went before you, even in your existence today. But let alone that, as we think about church communities and church families, church bodies, the same is also true. People have gone before us, paving a way so that we can experience something. And so I just I want to mention a couple things. One is, you know, a lot, of us, a lot of you guys know this, but we moved here about uh, four and a half years ago from College Station, Texas. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, okay, random. For those of you that didn't know that, you're like, all right. Um, and... We, uh, there was an Antioch church that was planted there in 2009. That was my wife and I's senior year of college. We went to Texas A&M, and we um, jumped in pretty quickly to the Antioch there. And just, I want to start there. I'm actually going to go back a little further, but just to mention that, man, we got grafted in or invited in to a community of people that was built on the sacrificial living of people that moved their entire life, specifically I'm going to reference Tyler and Ashley Hardy. They're the lead pastors of Antioch College Station. They moved. They gave up secure jobs. They gave up relationships. They moved uh, just a few uh, weeks or months before their firstborn child <laughs> and to, to follow God's leadership because they believed that the calling of God and his desire to see his church fulfilled, to see disciples made, was worth their life. And they moved, and they believed God for something in College Station. I mean, 10-plus years later, you know, the church continued to make disciples and grow. And many people here today that we brought with us from College Station, their lives were greatly impacted from that season. And I'll share a couple testimonies of that in just a minute. But even before that, I'm just remembering uh, Jimmy Seibert. He's the founder of the Antioch Movement and the team of people in Waco, Texas, that started this uh, really in the 80s. We're blessed to have a member of our church, Susan Ragsdale, that was there from the very beginning and just to know that there was a people that were just living sacrificially, surrendered to Jesus, believed that the church could actually be impactful and influential in the world. It's amazing, the sacrifice. A lot of us uh, ADS students that are coming up, ADS is about to start in about a week. Uh, we're reading the book called Passion and Purpose. And that is kind of the story of the Antioch movement, how it got started. I want to encourage you to get that book if you haven't read it. But I'm just stirred again as I'm reading through it, just the testimonies, the sacrifice, the willingness that people had to lay their lives down so that something could start from nothing. Something could be birthed. And uh, we, Jimmy is actually coming to town in April. He's going to come and share and speak with us, which is so awesome and encouraging. And, you know, let me just give a couple comments on that is, man, we, we honor him. And we're so thankful for him and his family and their, their leadership and their sacrifice. And, uh, of course, we don't idolize any leader, and he wouldn't want that anyways. He's, like, literally such a humble man. But, like, we want to give honor where honor is due. And my, let me just tell you now, four months in advance, like, when he comes, let's be really thankful <laughs> for him and his life and his sacrifice. Because, really, it's through him and the many deaths he's died uh, and his family and the team that we even have an opportunity to worship in a setting like this. And so I want to encourage us with that. But let me fast forward. Okay, our story. Okay, summer of 2019 uh, my family and I moved here to Northwest Arkansas to plant this church, and we did not just we, we did not just come alone. We brought a, a group of incredible people with us. This was not a random group of people, but this was a people that we had been laboring with and seeing incredible breakthrough with in College Station. And these folks were radically transformed by the power of God through the local community that was more and more surrendered to Jesus. 
let me, uh, the reason I want to express that to you guys, we didn't just bring a bunch of people, about about 15, with us that just like wanted to make something happen. These were people that, I mean, many of them are still here today, that were radically transformed by Jesus in their season in College Station. And the reason I want to emphasize that is because great things from God or fruit in our life doesn't happen because we wake up one day and say, I'm going to make a difference. The way it works is we get radically encountered by Jesus. Our lives get forever transformed and changed. And just the overflow of of that is God uses us for his glory and calls us to different things. So let me share with you guys a couple one-liners. Actually, before I do that, if you uh, had a season and a stint in College Station and moved up here with the intention to help us plant this church, we just stand up for a second. There's at least 10 or 15 of you guys here. Stand up real quick. Give it up for these guys. Thank you. There's a couple up there. Let me just read a couple. I asked them to just text me kind of a one-liner of what God did in them in their years in College Station. Because, again, I think it's helpful for us to hear that it's, we're not just trying to do church. We're not just trying to make something happen. But what we want is create environments where we get radically transformed by the power of Jesus. So here's a couple one-liners. During my years in College Station, God revealed himself to me as my perfect father, one who I can actually have a relationship with, And he showed me that with community, we can actually obey the word of God together and it be holy and fun, exclamation point. Another simple one-liner, God gave me his heart for the local church. Another one, during my years in College Station, God stripped me down to nothing and then slowly rebuilt me within the safety of community and godly friendships to be more holy and refined and to look a lot more like Jesus. It's amazing. In college, I met God for the first time and he healed me while teaching me how to surrender everything to him. In exchange, he spoke purpose over my life, all in the context of healthy community. A couple more. God showed me his heart, baptized me in his spirit, commissioned me into a life of following him. Then as an asterisk, he says, he also gave me a wife and paid off all of our student loan debt. (laughs) Some of you know who that is. (laughs) $85,000 worth of student loan debt, might I add that the community rallied around and gave to he and his family. Crazy. Two more. God revealed his love for me in radical, supernatural ways. He set me in a family I didn't know I needed and freed me from the love of the world and gave me a love for him and his purposes instead. And last but not least, he set me free from guilt and shame and gave me a hunger for righteousness and purity, and he burdened my heart for the ends of the earth to know him. Isn't that great? These are just a few one-liners of what God can do when you enter into his presence, but also a community of people chasing after the things of God. Now, those people don't just have testimonies of how their life were impacted, but many of them, in a sense, they quote-unquote sold everything and moved up here in faith. This whole thing started with the people that were radically transformed by Jesus and then out of that place wanted to follow him and live surrendered to him. Many of them moved away from family. I think of the BRs that moved just a few weeks after their firstborn child uh, came. Uh, Many moved away from community. Many left jobs and financial security and well-established ministry and reputation. But I want to comment on for what? For what end? To make a name for ourselves? To prove something? No. Ultimately, here's why. Here's why we moved. To follow Jesus. And I want to clarify, it's not just the general, yeah, I follow Jesus, I'm a Christian. But you guys know, and this is true for every one of you, Jesus doesn't want you just to follow him generally. He wants you to listen and obey personally. 
There are certain things God's called you to. There are certain things God whispers to you. There are certain unique assignments God gives every single individual that builds itself up when, when you're in community and even strengthens that calling. And by following him, what I mean is, my life is yours, Lord. What do you want to do with me? And then as he speaks, as he whispers, as he nudges, and we're all learning to hear God's voice. Yes? Anybody hear God's voice perfectly? No. Okay. You know, but he, he begins to make some things clear. So ultimately, unto what were these people moving? It was unto following Jesus. Because what you'll discover if you live a life of, I want to follow him wherever he leads, you'll discover that he's worth everything. His enti- our entire lives. He's worthy to follow, worthy to surrender to, worthy to trust. And when you step out in faith simply to follow him, you get to know him in such a deeper and richer way. And you get to know him as faithful. And I'd say absolutely that's my testimony, my wife and I's testimony as we step out in faith to move here. Is Jesus is so faithful. He's so good to us. But not only did we step out in faith to do this and move and plant this church uh, to follow Jesus, but also... We had a faith, we had faith, sometimes it was weak, sometimes it was small, but we had faith that God wanted to do something here in Northwest Arkansas. He wanted to establish a vibrant local church that would partner with what he's already doing. We didn't start something, it's partnering with what he's already doing to see God's kingdom come here in Northwest Arkansas. You see people saved, discipled, transformed, but then another addition to that is not just forever change inside of us, but mobilized and activated to walk in the calling of God in our lives, to see people trained and sent out to make disciples everywhere we go, workplaces, college campuses, new cities, nations of the earth, believing that God wanted to start a mighty movement from a people here in Northwest Arkansas that would advance his kingdom and bring glory in the earth. Had a little bit of faith for that. And guys, it has been, what, what a journey it has been the last four and a half years. Uh, but God has been so faithful to start and birth something. And let me share with you guys just a couple things. I'm going to have a little slide of some pictures because many of you guys were not around at the beginning. How many of you guys, you've been at Antioch for less than a year, a year or less? Raise your hand real quick. You're higher, higher, higher. There you go. Yeah, year or less. All right. Great. About half of you. So a lot of this stuff, it will be like, oh, interesting story. Or that's cool. Oh, I didn't know that. So let me just share this. And again, my, my heart is that there's some values that are communicated through this story. But here we go. Um, you ready with the pictures over there? So it started off with a bang, three days into living here. Just, just as an example, three days in of moving, I was playing soccer in the backyard with my, what, how old was Micah, four at the time? And he totally juked me, and I just rolled, and I don't know what I did, sprained my ankle. So, yeah, Micah is Mr. Sporty, and he was born with that. It's great. Anyway, so that's how we started, started off strong, but let me, let me continue. A um, couple months in, two months in, we had our first kind of quote-unquote public thing we invited people to. It was a dinner party uh, that we had at our house. This was in August of 2019 where we were casting vision for our church. Uh, and then what, through that, we started, there's some more pictures. You can just kind of keep rolling through as I, as I share. We had a dinner party casting vision for our church. And through that, we started a couple life groups. Uh, we didn't have any Sunday services yet. And through the life groups and through the gatherings like this, we built up a core team of people to help us get ready to launch. And we met in the Fayetteville prayer room. Anybody remember the Fayetteville prayer room days? A few of you guys do. And did some trainings there to prepare our launch team. And then we rolled out uh, in January of 2020 and went to the Holiday Inn Hotel in Springdale. All right, look at that. My family and I drove by last night on our way to pick up groceries, and all of us were like, 
who's glad we don't have church there anymore? And it was, yeah, unanimous. Um, but what a sweet season. It was a great season. And I would say those first several months, for sure, um, one of the main themes was just so much prayer. So much prayer, so much intercession. And the reason is we were convinced that if God wanted to do something, God wanted to start something, it wasn't going to be by the giftedness of men. It wasn't going to be by the personality of an individual. It wasn't going to be by how hard we worked even. But it was going to be his work. It was going to be a move of his spirit. And so we committed to prayer. I'd think of, um, you know, prayer meetings we would have from the fir- that first semester of fall 2019 when our church, our church, you know, it was a couple life groups, was about 30 to 45 people. And there would be about 15 people consistently that would come in at the Fayetteville prayer room, 6.30 a.m., and uh, pray and intercede for God to move and part of his spirit. To me, that's so encouraging, and I want to remind us of that calling because at that point, that was, you know, almost 50% of our church, and but we still carry that calling and that mandate. If 40 or 50% of our church came and prayed consistently, you know, there'd be 100 people in that, in that prayer room on EMP. And I just, I want to remind us of our calling and say, we want to see God move. We are at the very beginning of what God's called us to, and we want the rest to be built in this place of prayer. A dependence on him and seeing God move. Let me keep going. So uh, soon after we started services, we had a little slight interruption called COVID, if you guys remember that, and uh, took us into a season of, you know, all sorts of things, masks, and then we did some online stuff. Thankfully, uh, the Holiday Inn worked with us well. We were able to have services. Oh, we did parking lot services. I don't know if that's on there. Oh, man, those, oh, look at that. Parking lot service, that was fun. Man, those videos, y'all saw the other picture. Man, I am so glad that's over. That is just not my calling to do video messages. It was so hard. I'd rather preach to humans. Anyways, um, <laughs> but way to go, team. Y'all cranked it out. It was awesome. Um, and I would also say, you know, that was also, we kind of entered into a season of a, a lot of just kind of the grind. Once we got back into services, a lot of setup and tear down. Who was part of that kind of tear down setup team in the early days? All right, you see a few faces. Look how happy Kate is. Thanks, Kate. Just <laughs> joyfully serving. Thank you so much, Lave. Of course, so strong. Uh, <laughs> anyways, and I would say one of the things that that season was marked by um, as we got back into services and it was just week in, week out, um, was commitment and perseverance. Because when you're setting up church every single Sunday, there, it requires a level of perseverance and pushing through and commitment. I'm so thankful for that crew that did that. And keep going, kind of year three or so. Uh, we had you know, plenty of just powerful worship times together, but we also had some unexpected change. And uh, one of those things, you can put that one up there, unexpected change was um, uh, finding a new facility and a new place to meet. Okay, we uh, had signed a contract for many more months at the Holiday Inn, but they, uh, long story short, that changed. And um, we had to find a place to meet. And I'm uh, so, so thankful for God's provision of this place. Long story that I'm not going to go into right now of how we even found this and the door that God opened up, but it's such a gift and such a blessing. Uh, but it, it, look, look at the walls right there. So this is where you are right now, and thankfully it doesn't look like that, right? All right, go to the next slide. It took a lot of work from a committed group of people to turn what many of you guys have been just sitting in and enjoying on Sundays. It took a lot of work 
uh, to put this together, to not look like this. And yes, Sarah Johnson wrote yeehaw in the dust of the floor in this sanctuary. Yeehaw, Sarah. <coughs> and I think one of the things that this season was marked by um, was trusting God. You know, especially when things got out of whack, we had to move out of the uh, house that we had purchased to find office space, but also at the same time, we were looking for a place to worship on Sundays, and uh, it was a time of trusting God. Personally, I was walking through a lot of anxiety at the time, really because I was struggling with trusting God, but man, God is so faithful, and he meets with us in our wrestling, in our struggling, and he provides beyond what we could ask for. But another thing that God was doing in the midst of that was keeping us focused on our mission, keeping us focused that no matter what our circumstances look like and how established or secure we might feel, it doesn't matter. God has called us to go and make disciples. God has called us to be influenced, to care about what he's doing in the earth. Let me just say it that way. To care, to even care, not just about my own life, but to care about what are you doing in the earth, God, and how can I be a part of it? You know, not, I'm going to repeat this multiple times throughout the rest of the morning. And it's going to be a miracle for me to finish in 10 minutes. So, yeah, start your getting up and coughing in 10 minutes. Anyways, it's um, none of us are inspired by a life that was centered on self. No one is inspired at a funeral when someone is working real hard to figure out what can I say that this person did that was sacrificial. We're not inspired by, man, they really lived for themselves. They really settled for comfort. Man, they really gave themselves to just their own dreams and didn't care. Man, and I want us to be a people that say, no, we're going to dream bigger. We're called to something higher. Of course, God cares about our personal needs. Do you guys know that and believe that? Yes. But he's also called us to something bigger than ourselves. A story that he's been writing for thousands of years, and that's the story of people coming to know him and the fullness of that coming when the Lord returns. And I want us to be reminded that, man, we're, we're committed to the bigger picture. And so we went on mission trips, even through all that uh, first few years, a couple pictures of some mission trips we went on. Um, to the Middle East and to India and Tijuana, a couple other places we've been. And uh, it was awesome to see God move. And then I'll wrap it up kind of with the last year or so. Again, the Lord provided this amazing building, but he's also, through that, he has provided us with so many opportunities to powerfully encounter him. Worship moments. And, uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, like that, that. They're all worshiping over there. Thanks, guys. Uh, Lord, I love you. This is for you. Um, but provided this building for us with an incredible group of people, but also you can show that slide of us worshiping at World Mandate, just times that God marked us with his presence and really encountered us in fresh ways. So encouraging. And again, the Lord reminding us of our calling, called to make disciples, raise up leaders, and get even more established here. So there you go. There's a little walk down memory lane. Any other pictures that are on there? Maybe there's a couple more. Oh, yeah, the little, there you go. There's our new prayer room there. Seeking the Lord. Awesome. All right. So again, hopefully that was entertaining or insightful for those of you that are brand new. Uh, but also, my hope is that this stirs us up again, stirs us up by way of reminder that this um, we were not called to complacency. We were not called to easy. We we're called to live surrendered and obedient to Jesus. Now, here's what I want to say. I'm going to go into um, finish it out by looking at some language that's been helpful over the years of what, who we are and what God's called us to. 
But before I do that, actually, let me just tell you what they are. Three things. You'll see it. It's right there on the screen. It's part of our, kind of our values. It's God has called us to be a people that actually love Jesus, that love each other, and that live on mission. Those three things really are a, a new way to, or a different way to communicate living by the greatest commandment in the Great Commission, in the context of a healthy, thriving, vibrant community. Loving Jesus, loving each other, and living on mission. But you can keep that up there. But let me just reiterate and remind us of a couple basics. This is a foundation. We don't approach these things and approach the way we live our life without remembering that we can't live this way apart from what God has already done for us. <laughs> we can't work it up and say, I'm going to be one that's so loving Jesus, so loving towards others, so committed to his mission. Here I go. I'm going to go do this. No, no, no. This is simply a response to the power of the gospel in our life. This is a response of the power of God's love. Many of you guys know 1 John, I think it's 419, that says we love God because he first, what? Loved us. And so this is an overflow. This is a response. This is not us proving ourselves to God or anybody else or trying to be spiritual. Please hear me. Because that's when you get, get it off and it gets into legalism and it gets into this cycle of I can never be enough for God. No, no, no. This is just an overflow. So what I like to say first to start is that we are people loved by God. Everybody say, I'm loved by God. That's where we start. Not just intellectually, I know that, but deep within my soul, I believe it. God sees me, and he loves me, and he's delighted in me. I'm his son or his daughter, and he's pleased with me. Is, honestly, guys, that is just so freeing when you believe it. Many of us could say that out loud with our words, but if you actually believe God, creator God, loves you, even in the midst of seeing all your brokenness and your weakness and your sin and the things you mess up in, that Lord, Lord looks at you with love in his eyes. That is the most profound truth, and it will absolutely wreck you if you let it. I want to encourage us to continually come before the Lord and ask him to convince you that he loves you. And I think we'll be changed. And then as a response to that love, we are a people that live surrendered to him. I'm reminded of a couple parables in Matthew 13. Let me read these real quick. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, then in his joy, everybody say joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. So in regards to living surrender to Jesus, some of us are familiar with that ver those verses about, hey, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. And I love preaching that verse. <laughs> I love it. Okay, I love preaching about surrender. But really the heart of surrender is maybe more captured here. It's God is so good. He's so amazing. And to be a part of his kingdom, what a joy. The overflow is I'll sell everything, Lord, and give myself to you fully. This is the the right biblical response to encountering the power of the gospel, receiving God's love, is that. And we can ask the Lord for that. If that's not, you don't feel that today, you feel a little dull in your walk with God, a little bored, a little like, oh, I don't really want to give God much, then ask God for revelation of how worthy he is. Ask God for revelation of how much he loves you and how much he gave to you, because we want it to be an overflow of response back to him. That, Lord, this is the only right response as I live surrender. All right, let me break down those three things because we need to have some clarity, I think, and some uh, insight into, okay, how do we actually live this out? We've got a big picture vision, but how do we live this out? And let me break down those three core values because I think it communicates really how we live this stuff out. Love Jesus. Everybody say, love Jesus. Okay, Mark 12, 30 is the greatest commandment. Uh, when, when asked, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest? 
He said, it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And we want to be a people that are committed to embracing that and learning to do that. Uh, last semester, I gave probably it was about a four or five week series on the greatest commandment. I encourage you to go back and look at that. But here's a couple things um, that just describe what this could look like. And what I, I want to encourage us and call us back to and to for have you guys consider, do we want to be this type of people? We, that we are committed to having consistent, and I'm going to add the word enjoyable, time with Jesus. There's a list of there. There you go. Consistent and enjoyable time with Jesus. We're committed to rejecting sin, that we do not compromise. All of us have struggles, but we're not agreeing with them as part of our life. We're asking God for grace. We're getting help from community, and we're rejecting sin. We're embracing a generous lifestyle, knowing that everything God has given me is, is a gift from him, and so I want to freely give that back and not hold on to anything. Knowing and loving the word of God. Is anybody thankful for the word of God? Yes, me too, and we're, I'm excited. Next week, I'm going to be unpacking this a little bit, but we're going to invite our entire church into a Bible reading plan that would allow us in 2024 to read through the whole Bible. And some of you guys have done that before, some of you haven't, but just that consistency of getting in God's Word honestly saves you from so much. <laughs> but, but it's the consistency of loving and wanting to know God through His Word that really spares us. But we are a people also of worship and prayer. We're already commented on that, on that. We're people also that live humbly. Those are just a few examples of what it can look like to love Jesus. Okay, love each other. That's the second one here. Mark 12, 31. It's the back half of the greatest commandment. He says, you know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but also love your neighbor as yourself. But additionally, a lot of you guys, if you've been to Life Group, know this verse, Acts 2, 42 through 47. And it is a little picture, a little window into the gathering of the first believers. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. All came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the numbers day by day those who were being saved. So through that passage, we see a vibrant group of believers committed to Jesus, committed to his word, worshiping and praying together, caring for one another. And as a result, the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So here's a couple things that I'll put on the screen that this could look like for us to love each other. You know, we're opening up our lives to community. We're caring for others' needs within our church. And again, as I read through these things, as you see them, just think again, man, am I, is this the lifestyle I want to live? Do I want to be called to this? We're committed to our life. We're resolving conflict and humility, forgiveness, discipleship groups. This is you know, con contributing to the body through serving and giving. This is where, in America, it's difficult to take a consumer-driven culture and try to apply that to church and actually live biblically. It is a struggle. But we are committed to fighting against that tension and saying we're going we're gonna to push against the grain and we're not going to be just a bunch of individuals in this room consuming, but we're going we're gonna to love each other. We're going to know each other. We're going to open up our lives to each other. Guys, guys, this is how we grow. This is how we mature is when we are up close and personal with people around us. And I want to invite you guys in. Many of you guys are in a life group. If you're not in a life group yet, then I just want you to know, one, you're wanted. We want to know you. We want to be in your world, and we want you to know us. And we care about you, and we love you. And uh, I want to encourage you this year, make it one of your goals to get connected to life group. 
All right, last but not least, as I'm closing up here, is uh, live on mission. Everybody say live on mission. I already commented on this uh, multiple times. Then, Ben, you go ahead and come on up but to close out because I see the clock, and it's 11 o'clock. All right. So live on mission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It's the Great Commission. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth or ends of the age. That is the greatest commandment. And we don't want to just say we believe that, but Lord, we want, by God's grace, we want to live that out together. And here's a couple descriptors of what that could look like and what that could mean. One is we want to be a people that share Jesus with others consistently. I just think of so many folks in this church, they come back with testimonies or they show up to your life group and they're sharing testimonies of, I talked to this person about Jesus. I got to pray for this coworker. I got to um, share my faith with this person. I love that. So encouraging. And I want to stoke that fire again. Uh, making disciples in our sphere. Uh, we have this phrase, praying, giving, going, mainly applied to mission trips. We want to pray for what God's doing in the nations. We want to give towards them financially, but we also want to be a people that go. Invest in the next generation, mission trips being consistent. Then more of a long-term calling and assignment office is to plant churches and send full-time missionaries. This past fall, we got to send our very first, first full-time missionary, Kelly Casillas, which is amazing. She's in the Middle East, doing great. So thankful for her. But we want that to be one of many because we want to be faithful to what God's called us to. So here's what we do. As we close, what I want us to do is to think about really the implications on, one, am I called to this? But two, what would it look like if there were a, was a group of people that committed themselves to living this way, surrendered to him, totally undone by his love, but then as a response, living surrendered to him? Again, people never were inspired by a life that's just consumed with self, but we want to be living for something greater. And my invitation to all of us, especially for those who have been around a while, let's say yes all over again. Well, this is the type of people we want to be. But then for those of you that are here, for you to actually process and consider, is this the type of church family that I want to be a part of? I'm going to give you time to respond to the Lord. So there will be a couple of questions. If you have a journal, pull that out. Or if you have your notes app on your phone, you can pull that out right now. But let's just respond just for a couple minutes. There's a couple questions here that will pop up on the screen. Let me explain the first one. I think everything else is pretty self-explanatory. That first question is, Lord, am I supposed to be part of the quote-unquote we here at Antioch? Again, kind of the title of my message is, who are we? We. And I think this is important because God, uh, there's a unique giftings, unique calling, unique personality for every one of us in this room, but also the Lord calls individuals into we's. And I just want you to know you are invited into this. And if the, you feel that stirring your heart, like, yeah, the answer is yes. Then we just want to remind you of what God's called us to as a church family. So take just a couple minutes, read through these, talk to God about them, and then I'll come back up in just a second. And uh, we'll respond by worship and praying for one another. So go ahead, take a minute to respond.